0: I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin.
1: And I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theatre writer and dramaturg.
2: I'm Jen Uphoff-Grey, Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theatre Company. And this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 24 of Theater Forward. Great. Double dozen. (laughs) So this week, we're looking ahead at 2020 and thinking about our theater-related resolutions for this new year. What do we want to see happen? What do we want to try to make happen? Um, So why don't we just start big picture, and then we can go down to our personal resolutions as the conversation goes on. Mike, why don't you kick us off?
1: Well, you know, one of the things I really hope we see this next year is better and more honest dialogue um, on Mm -hmm. the issue of representation, appropriation, what an allyship means. Um, The same sorts of issues we talked about when we did our cancel culture podcast, but this really bearing directly On what I'm finding a a stultifying and often dishonest conversation, you know, where phrases are being thrown around like, stay in your lane, or don't write what you don't know. And I think you're seeing very, to me, this is very encouraging, a growing number of artists, both in theater and outside of uh, theater of color, who are saying, this is nonsense. Um, I mean, Zadie Smith came out with a fantastic essay, which got a lot of play last year. Zadie Smith, the novelist and essayist last year, uh, talking about how, you know, the characters she relates most to of those she's created are those who are nothing uh, like her. Zadie Smith, half British, half Jamaican. Um, You know, Bernadine Evaristo, who, uh, with Margaret Atwood, won the Booker Prize last year for Best Novel, uh, saying flat out, it is ridiculous, quote unquote, to expect writers not to write beyond their own culture, Um, saying that as a Black woman, she never could have written this this novel about 12, uh, you know, Black and mixed race characters if she had not been able to do that. And in theater, Jeremy O'Harris, saying, in a in a more uh, shall we say restrained and guarded way, but very intelligently. Look, we need to be able to have more honest conversation about all this. I mean, it, what what we're seeing right now with this idea that you know, you can't have a white director of a non-white play, you can't have a white playwright writing about non-white characters, is fundamentally dishonest, to my mind, and it's antithetical to what theater should be in terms of opening us up to thinking in empathetic and empathic ways beyond our own limitations beyond our own lanes. Theater is all about getting past your own lanes, not staying within them. And I really feel we're at the cusp uh, of seeing this conversation broaden out and become more interesting and therefore more honest um, so that those of us like me who are white, and I do have limitations because of that in terms of what I see and understand, can be challenged in a more, shall I say, um, honest and forthright way uh, to think about the limitations in my perspective.
0: I'll jump onto that dialogue as well. Um, you know, theater—it's it's a microcosm of the whole United States—and this idea of the social media attacks. And we're not getting good dialogue because it's all coming through Facebook and Twitter, and and you can't have a back and forth, and you you can't be respectful. Yeah, well, you can't be respectful, but it's easier not to be um, with the social media platform. And I'm with you. I think um, I'm hoping that um we we had to we had to go to the extreme and and um the vitriol had to come out before maybe we can pull back a little and really talk about about exactly what you're saying these concerns of um uh appropriation and what's appropriate and who to hire um in this role for example um let's have a conversation about that instead of
2: attack cuz that's not going to get us anywhere you know it's it's the fascinating and ongoing conversation, and we've we've often um, sort of tiptoed into these waters here on the podcast and And these are conversations that go on off the air all the time as well. Um and i, I I'm with you in the sense of hoping that our conversations become more nuanced, become more, um, open. I think both of you hit on some of the reasons why they haven't been. You know, I, I sometimes think of social progress like a pendulum and, and moments of change. Sometimes the pendulum swings really far out to one Absolutely. direction. Mm-hmm. And, and then when it settles, you've moved from where the settle point used to be. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I feel like we are doing really important work to move our industry forward, if you'll pardon the pun, on these issues. And in the struggle of getting there, I I do think that the pendulum went farther out than than we here in this room have been comfortable with in terms of um, the absolutism of some points of view, but I also at the same time um, recognize how uncomfortable I feel even having this conversation right this moment, sitting in a room in which we are all white. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, as you you put it, Mike, there are things we don't know. And how do we find this middle place where we don't have this false expectation that artists can only create art based on their own personal lived experience because most of the great work that exists in every genre would not exist under those limitations while also acknowledging the blind spots and limitations that anybody has when writing about a culture or a lived experience other than their own. And where, where do we land in that? And, and I, so what I, what I really endorse Mike is your, your, your point that the conversations have been so pardon my pun, black and white on this topic mm-hmm. that we are avoiding the actual hard and important work, which is, the, is the nuance. And so, I'm with you in hoping 2020 is the year that shows the pendulum starting to come just that little bit back that allows us to have nuanced conversations on these topics. and. I'm hoping we can maybe bring some new voices into the room with us here to talk about these conversations where perspectives other than ours are Would love that. involved. Let's,
0: that let's plan
2: on that for 2020. <laughs> Very good. Resolved hereby. Um, Julie, what's what's something on your list? Well, I have to admit that um I need to listen to more
0: podcasts. Because <laughs> I am I'm not good. I have WGN on in my car all the time, except that they just fired Bill and wendy so i think i'm out with wgn after years and years and years and years um but i really need to be more dedicated about this I'll, I'll do a um you know i'll listen to seven in one day and then not any for a couple months and i pledge to be a more regular follower of podcasts <laughs> That's
2: Including this one, I should
0: listen to this one too. No, I, I do.
2: I do. One of, the, one of one of my goals, resolutions, hopes for for this year that that relates specifically to this podcast, um, and it, and it's a goal we've had from the beginning, but it 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 was something we had to kind of grow into, and that is to find ways to make this more of an ongoing dialogue with the people who are listening to it. Um, And that's soliciting ideas for topics that you'd like to hear us discuss, making it easier for you to share your thoughts, whether it's on the aforementioned social media or via email, we've tried to create new accounts to make it easier to get directly to the Theater Forward team. But um, I really want to broaden um, the, the voices and perspectives that we're, we're discussing beyond, beyond the three of us. And we've kind of set this uh, template for the kind of things we're going to talk about. And now I really want to bring, bring more people in. And so figuring out what efforts on our end we can make to really entice um, feedback, input, suggestions from listeners. That's, that's really my big goal related to this podcast.
1: So well I I'm I'm with Julia needing to listen to more. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't listen to enough theater podcasts. So that's 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 a good one for me to have in this next year too. And yes, amen to having more folks with us both in the room and and in different forms of conversation. That is the point of a podcast in the first place. Another one that I have it this is again for theater and again it's one that's in in keeping with everything that's been said so far. About broadening us out is more innovative approaches to the classics. I mean, all right, that sounds boring, but it really isn't. I'm I'm worried we're we'll in a moment now, and I've even seen some of this in people's year end reflections in the last uh, in the last month around the country. Of thinking that the classics somehow don't speak to us anymore, or only speak to a small subset of the population, that they really weren't written for women or for people of color, and to that I have to say, if a, if something's really great, that's nonsense. And Shakespeare proves it again and again and again. You're seeing fabulous productions um, of Greek plays all over the country right now. One bringing in a Japanese director from uh, who did a great Antigone at the Park Street Armory or Park Avenue Armory in New York. Uh, you had a fabulous. Oedipus um, at Court Theater, which is the beginning of a trilogy through which they're going to tell the experience of the Black migration uh, in Chicago. You have Oedipus at Colonus about to open um, at Skylight Music Theater in Milwaukee, which is a retelling through a Pentecostal Black church service of of that great Sophocles play. And, you know, yes, classics done, you know, where you have a bunch of funny uh, guys running around with green tights in the woods, you know, spouting something that nobody understands That's something that does not speak to enough people. But to say that these beautiful and great works cannot continue to speak to All of us, if they're done in a way which is reflective of the era in which they're redone, is just wrong. I mean, you know, to to quote or think about somebody like Jonathan Miller, who I'm so sad we lost last year, in his beautiful book, Subsequent Performances, every single production of a play is new, which is why one of my personal resolutions this next year is to get to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, since we still I've said this before, don't seem to be anywhere near seeing the Henry Sixth plays uh, done here in Wisconsin. There's going to be an all-female and non-binary cast doing Henry VI, uh, directed by Kate Wisniewski and Rosa Josie, uh, who also directed a great Henry V at Oregon Shakes. That's on the docket for this year, and I can't wait to see it.
0: Great.
2: <laughs> that is great.
0: <laughs> I have... um completely different. Um, I was thinking too, of blessings, hmm. uh, uh, for this podcast. And so often as, um, uh, theater people or, or people, um, you know, in, in, in management positions, we are asked, um, I know you have been Jen. Um, so when forward gets much bigger, like you'll, we'll have our own building, right? There'll be a forward theater building. And I am here to say, that is absolutely what i don't want. <laughs> what i what i am really grateful for is um the overture um center for the arts and i love i love the collaborative feeling. i love the people that i work with there. i love that there there are performances on three floors any given night. um i i think the building is beautiful and everyone i work with there are Helpful and wonderful. And um, as we see always, there's all these articles on a regular basis of, oh my gosh, this theater company has gotten big enough to have their own building.
2: I'm really happy with the collaborative space we're in. It's an awfully nice face. Mm-hmm. I like not being a landlord, <laughs> I, I will say. Uh, yes. I will, I will second, <laughs> second that. You know, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot, um, and it's really kind of an ongoing resolution because it's something we've been talking a lot about here at Forward, but I think this is probably relevant to a lot of companies um, out there around the country, especially the ones that aren't in New York, Chicago, and L.A., and that is um, – how do we continue as a professional company to provide enough paid work to the artists that live in our region and, and the technicians, the theater technicians that live in our region, that, they, that folks want to move here versus wanting to move away? Right, you know the 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 talent drain inevitably to the bigger cities where there's more work, and then the constant um, work on our end to try to say no, no, there's paid work here for you, and especially as it relates to um, to folks who may have been underrepresented in the theater field um, before now. How do we continue to do our part here in you know in southern Wisconsin to provide enough work, well enough paid work that we're helping this become a place people move to rather than away from. Um, and, it, you know, we've been working on it for a decade, and I think we, we've helped in that regard, but it continues to be an issue. Um, and we really want around this country for every region to have a thriving professional theater scene um, that's not reliant on bringing everybody in from out of town. So how can we not only do our work, but how can we work with other companies in our region and around the company to address this?
1: I think that in our region is really key. I mean, look, the reality is Madison is overwhelmingly white. You know, I'm I'm living in a city, which is the most segregated city in the United States. And there are reasons why actors of color don't want to be in that kind of an environment. I mean, I, I would love it if they were to move here, but if we think regionally and think in terms of Chicago as a vital part as it is economically and from an industrial standpoint of our region, and not think of Chicago actors as out of town actors. I think we will go a long way toward expanding the talent pool that we can work with and thinking about and having people in Chicago challenging them to think about us in a different way in terms of forward theater or the theaters in Milwaukee being a vital part of their uh, theater scene. They don't come up here to see our theater. I mean, people in Chicago don't enough. Or mm-hmm. if they do, they'll make some sort of patronizing comment about, oh, I went to the Milwaukee rep once 15 years ago. We need to change that. And I think the, the quality of the work that's being staged in Wisconsin deserves having that conversation change. So when I talk about bringing Chicago actors here, I think of this as a two-way street. This is a conversation in which Wisconsin has a lot to contribute uh, to the Chicago region as well as vice versa. Mm.
2: Right. All right. What's next on your list, Mike? Well,
1: I got. I have a personal one. I yeah. try and pick up a playwright <laughs> every year. Um, who I, you know, I've I've liked or I've read a fair amount of, but just I, where I'm gonna like, I'm gonna run the table. I'm gonna start even with the plays I've already read from the very beginning of. Her, his career, and just read everything all the way through. And so, the playwright for me this year is somebody that you know I've I've on record many many times as saying I think she is the greatest playwright writing in the world today in English, and that's Carol Churchill, hmm. um, who has just given us all so much. Uh, great work um, and challenging work for so long. She's written a lot of plays and, you know, and I've read a number of them and I've seen a number more, but I'm going to start from the beginning and work my way through um, by the end of the year. That's a personal one for me.
2: That's
0: exciting. You'll have to report back. Yeah, I buy her. What did you? What did you? I just like think about
1: that her? I. I love the fact that from play to play, she changes style in ways that aren't predictable. Mm-hmm. I love her attention, longstanding, way before it was popular, uh, to people who are different, to the poor, to the working class. Um, I love her concern with issues of femininity and feminism and women, um, in in ways that go way beyond the big plays like Top Girls. I think all of that put together for me says this is a voice that we need right now more than ever, even though she's been at it for a long, <laughs> long time. So I'm really excited to delve in and just watch as you get to see when you start from the beginning and move through how a person morphs and changes and grows into the uh, the giant that we all recognize she now is.
0: Hmm. <laughs> what about you, Julie? Do you have a personal one? I, I don't have a personal one, but can I share something yeah. that Chris Jones um, at the Chicago Tribune wrote? Yes. And I just, I want to get your feeling on this. Um, this is... Um, He talks about his his wishes, and here is one of his wishes that Chicago theater better embraces its most loyal and appreciative audience. Retirees. (laughs) Uh, These are the folks who buy the most uh, theater tickets, write the most checks at end of year donation time, and care the most about the city's cultural institutions. They volunteer, usher, and support wholeheartedly, and their views and tastes deserve far more respect than they often enjoy. Without them, the Chicago, and I would add Madison, theater simply would not exist in this or any other year. What do you think? I mean, we, we It yeah. is. It's it's when we refer to our audience, that's who we're referring to oftentimes, or that's a bulk of our audience. Uh, the, the core subscription audience. The core yeah. subscription audience. That's who he's talking about. And I do. I do agree with him that um, I'm going to show them a little more love this year. That's my wish that they feel as valued as uh, we feel they are.
1: It's, it's kind of hard to disagree with that what i what I would want to say as an addendum, I mean as a friendly amendment uh, <laughs> something that doesn't happen in Washington these days, but we have those here um is I would love to see. As an expansive and trusting view of what that audience is capable of, as as they've shown by trusting in us, Forward Theatre in particular, and Wisconsin Theatre in general, and and taking journeys with us to new places. We need to make sure that we don't become, and I don't think at Forward that will ever happen, but this is a larger issue, that we don't become an echo chamber where we give back to people what we think they want. We need to Mm -hmm. challenge uh, we need to challenge our audiences always with new work by more work by women more work by people of color um so that over time even if it's not a, a sort of play that we know is in somebody's sweet spot we're 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 trusting in the great audiences that we have to grow with us in a direction that's that embraces difference and embraces opportunities to do new things
2: well i think part of this is um it's a it's a national industry wide um myopia in a way of how we look at audiences, because, um, of course, I mean, I think anyone who's a a retiree mm-hmm. demographic member of our audience would I hope feel incredibly valued by the choices that we make, the way we interact with them, how we do our plays, how we choose our plays, um, a- a- as equal or more valued as any other demographic in our audience. We have a lot of different demographics right. in our audience, but, in the public discourse about you know the the inevitable and perpetual decline of theater and the live performing arts that has been going on for every wow, century wow. in the last <laughs> year the conversation is always and exclusively about young audiences and so companies yes. feel i know i feel this constant pressure to say oh but look how many people in this demographic have come to the theater this year. Look how many people in that demographic. And, and no one ever asks about how many people are coming who are over, I don't know, 55 or 60. Um, and I think that talking about the, the audiences that we have holistically and all of the many wonderful, different segments of our audience, um, in and of itself would be a nice start in valuing, um, that core demographic in our subscription audience who are retirees. But, you know, as, as you alluded, Mike, we've got one of the most adventurous audiences out there. I agree. um, Mm So I don't, I don't ever feel that we have to, uh, you know, restrict our programming to, uh, to take care of them, but expressing our appreciation for their stalwart uh, investment in us, I think is something we could all stand to do a lot more of. Mm -hmm. I love that.
1: Well, you know, speaking speaking of that and of adventuresome programming. I would not be able to get through a podcast like this and look myself or my friends in my face if I didn't have at least one mention of musicals before we start. Oh,
0: my God. Let's so, just start the podcast with that. So, and I'm Mike Fisher, who likes musicals.
1: Um, but, but seriously, folks, this is, I am convinced this is going to be the year of Dave Malloy, okay. um, right. who I've We're mentioned ready. here before. You know, he is just uh, recently setting sail in Boston, Massachusetts, is his new musical, um uh on moby dick three and a half hours the reviews have been mixed but mostly positive (laughs) the thought is it's going to new york and i'm super (laughs) excited about that i think this is going to be a year in which you see productions around the country or something in the pipeline with uh, his musical octet which which uh, debuted last year in new york and in the meantime right here in wisconsin you can check out this march Uh, A production, a a co-pro of Milwaukee Opera Theater and All In Productions, is producing uh, the the Preludes, which is a sort of musical fantasy in the mind of Sergei (laughs) Rachmaninoff. I mean, come on, how can you do better than that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I do love that we are getting away from these big, huge um, uh, cast and production value musicals. Like musicals can actually be done around the country at people for people. Um, that generally do straight plays, so yeah. Yeah.
2: it's a possibility, Mike. <laughs> it will still happen. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any more you want to get in there, Julie? Well, I I kind of want to f- finish this up then with with one that's on my list that I was thinking of it as a personal resolution, but I think it it really applies for all of us and for our industry as well. And that's as we we go into this new year to to focus as much as possible on on generosity and on joy in our work. You know, it's it's so easy, especially in the nonprofit world, to obsess over all the things that need fixing, all the little things that aren't going right, that it's our responsibility to make go right. Um, And throughout the nonprofit world, but really for everybody in a presidential election year to keep focused on generosity and joy, it it's it becomes harder and harder. And so mm-hmm. I want to be as mindful as possible about doing that because there are such gifts in the work we do and in being able to participate in doing the work that we do. And there is there is joy in that. And I think if if I can if I can keep that, if we all can keep that um, in the front of our mind, then the inevitable struggles will hopefully be in their rightful perspective. That's wonderful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So we will, we will extend that wish to all of you. Um, we'll say that that's all for this episode of Theater Forward. And I really want to um, encourage you to think about sharing your resolutions or your hopes for the year ahead with us. Um, Mike will, in a moment, tell you all of the ways that you can do that. Um, but that's it for this episode, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jen Opoff gray I'm
1: Julie Swenson. And I'm Mike Fisher. Our the podcast is produced by Scott Hayden and you can indeed follow us in many ways in many places at Facebook, at Twitter, at Instagram, our Twitter account and our uh, email account both Uh, Forward Theater spelled out, as always, with an E-R.
0: And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe um, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in. And be sure to leave a review or a comment. We'd love to hear from you. At
1: Jen's point, a stellar review, one that shows joy and love.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We are so grateful to have you listening, and we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.